James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So as we think about our lives, as we think about every good thing, and you probably got different things running through your mind right now, what's good in your life? What family, what friends, what, what good possessions, what, what good blessings, what good relationships? The Word of God. You could go on and on. All of this comes from God. And it says He doesn't change. So that means He always was generous, He is generous, and He always will be generous. He's a generous God who loves to give. And He wants His kids to reflect that. Those of us who trust in Jesus as our Savior, as we trust in Him and allow God to live His life through us, through the Spirit, He wants us to reflect that generosity. And if you spent any time in your Bible, be it Old Testament, New Testament, you see that theme just all over the pages in there. One of the verses I think about and one of the ways God God shows His emphasis on generosity is His love for the poor. In our world, I think about Proverbs 21 13. God doesn't care about generosity just a little bit. He doesn't care about the poor just a little bit. It's not like a side hobby for him. He's so passionate about the poor that he basically says, if you don't care for the poor, it's going to mess up your prayer life if you're my child. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 21 13. If a man shuts his ears, to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. It's one verse, right? And yet one poignant statement, one guaranteed way to really mess up your prayer life is to ignore the cries of the poor. It's been around thousands of years, Proverbs has, But I wonder how many of us, even those of us who have been believers for a long, long time, have sort of bypassed that verse or that whole line of growing in our walk with God. And maybe we've bypassed it due to just ignorance, or maybe for some of us we've bypassed it intentionally because this whole discipleship thing, this whole God thing, this whole Bible thing, this whole Jesus thing is okay until it gets to my money and my stuff. It's almost like sometimes we draw this line and say, okay, Jesus, you can have all this, but it's my money and my stuff. You don't, you don't touch that area of my life. Here's another proverb. Proverbs 19, 17. It says, one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord. And he will repay him for his good deed. And I thought about that verse. It's almost like God identifies with the poor so much so that he says, hey, if you are gracious to the poor, and gracious there can be money, it could be time, it could be simple word of kindness, it could be all these things. If you are gracious to the poor, it's as though you've done it to me. You've lent that graciousness to me. And I will pay it back to you. That's how much he wants us to look out for the poor. That's how much he identifies with them. 
But if we shut our ears to their cries, we may find that our own requests to our Heavenly Father are not being answered. And some might say, hey, that's Old Testament. You know, we live in a different era now. But I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. You guys know this verse. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Whatever size measure you use, however much grace, mercy, forgiveness of your material possessions, of your kindness that you give out, is how much it will be given to you. And I thought about that. How many of us as Christians are going around with these little one-eighth teaspoon measuring spoons in our lives? And we come into situations where God's calling us to forgive someone and, and to forgive them graciously as he's forgiven us. But we're like, you know, they, they did this and this and this, God. And, and uh, I know you're telling me to forgive them, but it, uh, I give them just, just a little bit. You know, I'm not really going to completely forgive them. I'm just going to sort of ignore them so I don't say anything nasty to them or or when it comes to the poor, I'm just, I'm not going to give sacrificially. I'm just going to scrape a little bit off the top, a, a nickel here when I see the guy with the, the bell ringing, just, just a little bit. And we live our lives like that when God's saying, hey, you give like that, that's what I'm going to give to you. And I, I think about that like uh, when you're growing up and you, you're eating, and let's say you're having hamburgers, and you got one on your plate, and you've taken one bite out of it. And you say to mom, hey, can I have another hamburger? What's mom usually say? You haven't finished the one you have yet. Finish that one, and then I'll give you some more. And I can't help but wonder if God's not looking at some of us like, hey, I give you that forgiveness and that grace and that mercy and that blessing and that kindness in your life so that you can give it away. And you're asking me for more, but you haven't given, given away what I've given you already. What, what do you need more for? And I think, how many of us need to shift from this one-eighth teaspoon to what God's plan for our life is? And even this is a limited illustration. But when we look at what he's done for us, we need to, to pull out the wheelbarrow. All right? And say, my goodness, God has forgiven everything I've ever done. My darkest moment, he forgave. He paid for it at the cross. So yeah, I'll forgive you. I know you hurt me deeply, but I'm not gonna hold that against you because God's not holding anything against me. God was incredibly generous with me at the cross. He gave the highest price he could. So when I see someone who's in need financially, I'm not gonna give just to where it doesn't even impact me. I'm, I'm gonna give sacrificially because he gave sacrificially to me. And I just think about that. I want my life, the measure that I use to be that wheelbarrow, not, not this little one-eighth teaspoon. And that's, that's what God wants. You know, you say, what should that measure be full of? You know, Jesus said, the with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And we don't have to guess what it should be full of because right before he said that, 
listen in here for all the things that that wheelbarrow ought to be full of. He said, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Do not judge. I'm going to skip down a little bit, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Now, this time of year, one of my favorite movies or books, whichever you prefer, is A Christmas Carol. It's such a classic to me by Charles Dickens, and I, I can't help but wonder how many of us, we want to live our lives the way Scrooge was at the beginning of the book. You remember poor Bob Cratchit had to beg, please, sir, could I please have just a lump of coal to stay warm? And we treat the people in our lives like that. We, we make them beg, please, could I have just a lump of forgiveness? Please, could I have just a lump of your kindness, a lump of your time, a lump of your love, a lump of your materials? We want to live like that, but we want God to treat us like Scrooge at the end of the movie after his eyes were open and he's throwing up his, open his curtains and he's saying to the boy on the street, you buy the Cratchit family the biggest turkey there is down at that, that store and take it to their house. And what Jesus and God are saying here is when it comes to his blessings in our lives, those special blessings, it doesn't work that way. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, a natural question we come to here is, well, I know all kinds of people in the world that have nothing to do with Jesus that are rich beyond imagination. So how does this work? And what I want to say is there, there are common graces. That's what theologians refer to them as, that God, like we said with the rain, he pours it on the just and the unjust. When he poured all that snow on Prescott Valley, he didn't say, all right, this family's a believer, we'll give them a little moisture, but the house right next door, they don't, they don't know Jesus, so we're going to keep that one, no snow. You know, God does certain things for everybody. The blessings we're talking about are special blessings for those of us who are God's children in Jesus that he will withhold our enjoyment of if we refuse to pass them on. Now, if we're honest, if you've been around this Christian relationship, this relationship with God through Jesus for a while, we've heard this before, right? This isn't news to anybody. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. We all know that, especially this time of year. And yet, we still really wrestle with these ideas about giving, don't we? least when it comes to being sacrificial in our giving. And I think sometimes it's because we look at our own lot in life and, and we feel like we're barely scraping by. And sometimes that's the case. We'll talk about that in a moment. But sometimes I want to challenge us, and I'm speaking to myself on this too. I'm not speaking to you as one who's there on this generosity thing. I'm on this journey with you. Sometimes... 
it's not that there's not enough coming in. It's that we got to take a hard look at how we're spending what is coming in. Because sometimes we got more than enough coming in, but the way we're spending it on our pleasures and our comforts and our, our lives just rules out any margin that we might have been able to use to help someone else. We don't like to ask those questions of ourselves. I don't like to ask that question of myself, but sometimes we need to. And I, I can't help but think here about uh, Larry Burkett. You guys all know that name. He founded Crown Financial Ministries, and now he's passed away. He and his wife had a principal in their home. The idea was something along these lines. Hey, let's decide between us and our Heavenly Father. Let's pray about this. What's the, the status of living, the size house, the kind of car, etc. That that's our ceiling? You know, when we get there, that's where we're going to stop. And no matter how much money comes in above and beyond that, we're not going to keep growing our expenditures we're going to stop right there, and everything that comes in above that, we're going to give to God and his kingdom. And I thought, wow, what a, what a powerful, life-altering way to live your life. And, and as I was talking to Carolyn about that, the, the way she said it is it's a change in the question from what do I need to give? What do I need to give to what do I need to live on? You see the total shift in perspective that's going on there? Now, that's one side. Sometimes we feel like we're scraping, but we just need to do some evaluating. Other times, we've all been there. We're in a situation where we really are scraping. We've tried it all. We put the word out that we need work. We prayed. And for whatever reason right now, we are really hurting. And at times like that, that's when we need other believers to rally around us. And that's okay. That's the way it's supposed to work. We don't need to feel bad about that when we're at that place. Because from a biblical perspective, there's times where we have plenty and others will have little. And we're supposed to supply their need. And there are times where we will have little and others have plenty. And they're supposed to, to help us. So th- there's no... Shame in that. And what I want to say to you if you're in that place tonight is much of the world is right now. It's topsy-turvy out there in our economy. It's just to say that doesn't rule you out from this side of the spiritual life that we call giving. Because giving is not only financial. As we mentioned earlier, giving can be forgiveness can be sharing your strength, your talents, your time, your home with other people, even a kind word. And I heard a story about this this week that really drives home that giving can come in all kinds of forms. There was a church out in Atlanta where the pastor said, hey, this week we're going to share testimonies of how you came to know Jesus as your Savior. And a man stood up and he said, I was in Sydney, Australia, in their red light district. It was a place called the King's Cross. That's what their red light district. It used to be a a nice part of town, and it's since been run down. This guy said, I was on the street, and a homeless fellow tugged at my arm. And I reached down and looked at him, and the, the homeless guy said, Do you know where you'll spend eternity? 
And the guy giving his testimony said, that question bothered me for three years until eventually I couldn't stand it anymore and I cried out to God and, and I placed my trust in Jesus because I wanted to know the answer to that question. Well, that's cool enough, but several years later, the same church, they're doing testimonies again and another guy tells the exact same story about the exact same red light district in Sydney. So the pastor started to say, I got to check this out. And, and he's got a conference that he's going to in Sydney that year anyway. So a day off during his pastoral conference, he says, I'm going to walk down to this King's Cross district of Sydney just to see if I can find this guy out there. And he's, he's walking around in this red light district. And sure enough, a guy tugs on his sleeve. And the pastor looks down at him before he can say anything. And he says, I know what you're going to ask me. You're going to ask me, do I know where I'm going to spend my eternity? You want to know how I know that? Because two men in my church came to Jesus because of you. Because you asked them that question. And I want you to listen to the response of that homeless man. The man started to cry. Mister, he said, 10 years ago I gave my life to Jesus and I wanted to do something for him. But a man like me can't do much of anything. So I decided I would just hang out on this corner and ask people that simple question. I've been doing that for years, mister, but tonight's the first time ever that I knew it did anybody any good. That homeless man's giving was a question asked faithfully to everyone that he had talked to. And I think about that story. That ought to encourage you that no matter how little you have right now, God can use you to be a blessing. And it also ought to encourage us not to judge others for what we can see they are or aren't giving. Because I wonder how many people walk by that guy and say, what a waste of humanity. He's doing nothing for nobody, and yet he was faithful to his call to God, gave someone the message of the good news, and that person came in to the kingdom. So I want to close with a promise that you guys have probably heard. It's in Philippians 4.19. Paul said this. He said, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That word supply doesn't mean he's just going to Throw a little something towards it. That word means he's going to fill full all of your needs. But here's the part we sometimes miss with that promise. He wrote that promise to a group of very generous Christians. Christians who were sacrificially generous to Paul. Listen to what he said in 14 through 16, right before that verse. He said, It was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again and again when I was in need. And the idea that Paul's getting at with this promise is any need that comes up in your life because you gave for God, because you gave to the poor for God, because you gave to God's word for God, any need that comes up in your life as a result of that, 
he is going to fill full. That's his promise. Now, that doesn't mean that we should give to get. Okay, sometimes you watch some of the networks on TV and you hear some of these guys are real loony bins on there, I'm convinced. They're, they're telling you, hey, if you send me this amount of money at the end of my show, you're going to get at least 10 times that back. You're going to be rich beyond your wildest dreams. And I'm thinking, if these guys were really smart and they believed that, they'd be sending the money to you, Amen. right? Paul does not say God's going to make you filthy rich if you give to God and his work. He says he's going to fill full your needs. And often we get needs and wants and desires all blurred together. So I don't want you to get lost in their lie, but I also don't want their abuse of the truth to blind you to the promise that is there. Because we need to rejoice in the promise that is there, that they've obscured, but the promise remains. Not that you'll be rich if you give to God. Not that you're always going to be healthy if you give to the poor, but that he's going to fill full any need that comes in your life as a result of giving to God and those who are important to him. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And as I close, before we go into our time of prayer and music, I just want to say, This time of year especially, as we focus on God's amazing gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that's where we go for the best motivation for our own giving. All right, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 8. He's talking to them about giving. And he says in verse 7, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's his reason for why we ought to excel in giving. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The fact that the king of angels left his throne to be born in a manger, to live among us, and die a criminal's death is the strongest motivation for us to say, wow, let me get out my wheelbarrow and pass this on to a world that needs it. 